You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Rique, being joined by Jackson Moore, who is not in studio today, but he is joining us via Skype. So, Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. That was a uh, another one of those tough games for the Bulldogs this past weekend as they faced the Utah State Aggies. Um, and it, uh, it, it, it turned out to be not the exact, not exactly the finish the Bulldogs were hoping for, um, but it did keep the crowd around for uh, all the way up until the very end, right, Jackson? Yeah, but um, you know, I noticed as Utah State was driving down the field to set up that field goal, the stadium emptied out, and <laughs> you know, I was surprised because Utah State seemed to be settling for a field goal, which they ended up doing, and they do have a pretty solid kicker. But this college football—you never know what could happen when foot hits the football and everything's on the line with. A field goal in the air, but uh, most of those red waivers were right by leaving early that uh, it went exactly as I think everyone in the stadium kind of felt it was going to at that point. Well, this was an odd game to begin with. It was a lot of going back and forth. Uh, those last few possessions um, really kind of developed really strange for me. Um, and in the fact that, you know, uh, Utah State is driving, uh, elected to go for it on fourth down, down in uh, Fresno State territory, instead of going for the field goal. Um, and Bulldogs stop them and then turn around and go three and out. Uh, and Utah State gets the ball back and pretty much, you know, kills the clock with a game-winning game field goal. So I, it really... You know, uh, there was a, a set of events there that were just a little odd to me. Don't you think, kind of, Jackson, <laughs> on some of those choices? Yeah. Um, you know, the Bulldogs, they ran the ball with their last six plays, and they've gotten a little bit of flack for that. They've gotten some flack for not going for it on fourth down in either of those times. Now, one was about at their own 35-yard line. The next one was at their own 13-yard line. And uh, when Coach Tedford was asked why didn't they go for it on that last fourth down, he looked at the person who asked with the look on his face like are you serious we were at our own 13 yard line that's what he said afterwards but you know then he actually followed that by saying well i kind of thought about that all night given the way that the game played out but you know just knowing coach tedford and knowing that had they failed to convert on fourth down there they would have given utah state the ball right there uh right in the the obvious field goal position and the chance to score a touchdown that's not something that he's going to get caught doing, I don't think, ever uh, as a Fresno State head coach. But once the ball was punted and Utah State took over at about midfield, I think reality set in for everyone in that building that uh, Utah State was more than likely going to be able to move close enough to kick a field goal and probably win the game. And I think that's where the regret kind of sinks in. But also the play calling as well, you know, it's, it's hard to fault. The coaching staff, at least, you know, their goal, the whole goal of their offense basically is to set up manageable third down situations. And they were third and one on both of those two drives. It was the perfect scenario for everything they wanted to get. And all they had to do was run for a yard and they failed both times. And there's been some criticism of the uh, the running play calls as well and how they were uh, executed. But if you look at the last third down, the third and one, 
uh, believe that was where they had Jalen Cropper coming on the the fake sweep. They got the motion going. About half the Utah State defense was going the wrong direction. And at the end of the day, the offensive linemen that needed to open up the hole had the advantage, and they failed to execute. Um, I mean, it was a, as easy as it gets. Everything was set up, and it just didn't pan out for the Bulldogs. And it's hard to fault, I think, the coaches for the decisions. I think they put the guys in the right situations to to put close the game. It's hard to fault some of the linemen, too, because they're young guys. I mean, they only had one starter that was left from the beginning of the season by the time that drive was going on, and uh, they were put in a little bit of a tough situation. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's week nine for them in that game, and that's these are things that they should have figured out by now. I think um, you know, that, that was something that they should have been able to execute by this time of year, and it's just kind of a a summary of what this team has been all season close, but not good enough. Well, it seemed like uh, all game long, the Bulldogs were struggling against Utah state, especially on defense, uh, trying to, uh, trying to just slow down Utah state. And, uh, you know, they were going with the no, no huddle offense for majority of that game. And just really the Bulldogs just didn't seem to have an answer for, for slowing them down um, in, in certain instances. And do you think that kind of played into a lot of what was going on? They, the Bulldogs just didn't get a chance to kind of kind of settle in uh, at all during that game because it was a lot of uh, no huddle offense for, uh, from the U State Utah State Aggies or uh, Utah State. Uh, yeah, is it Aggies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I always get confused sometimes on those teams. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it was definitely a different offense than they've seen all season in the way that they approach things with that no huddle. Um, they were definitely trying to you know, get as many snaps up as possible. And it almost looked, you know, it was more effective than I expected going into that game. I thought, um, you know, Hawaii would be the more dangerous offense of the last two games. But I think Utah State proved to be, even though uh, they didn't, they scored one less point, um, they looked a lot more uh, dangerous in how they were uh, attacking the Bulldogs. And Fresno State made really good use of the substitution rule. It's something that kind of got lost in the mix of that game. It hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but every time Utah State takes a, a makes a switch with their personnel, uh, Fresno State has all the time they want to substitute guys, and they have to stop the ball. If you probably noticed between plays, the referee was standing over the Utah State center preventing anything from happening because there's a, a Bulldog defensive lineman taking about 10 seconds to run on the field clap hands with one of the current Bulldogs who then has to run off the field and has taken his sweet time. So you know, it's something that a few teams have tried to do to slow down these no huddle spread offenses and Fresno State definitely used that rule to their advantage. Uh, but still, you know, they just had no answer for about the first six drives. The Utah State put up four touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, from that point on, the Bulldogs really did seem to buckle down and figure things out and make some key stops. But after you already give up 31 points, I mean, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good at that point. And when the game was on the line, they did get the fourth down stop right there at the goal line. I was really surprised they managed to pull that off. Uh, but like Michael Walker told us after the game, I think the defense kind of thought they had clinched it right there. And when they had to go back out on the field, they didn't quite have the same gear that they were playing at with prior to that. No, it definitely didn't uh, seem like that. It, it was almost demoralizing when the offense went out three, uh, went three and out uh, on that. And then very next possession, um, it just it just set up the Utah State Aggies to to really uh, 
you know, march down the field and the way they were moving the ball all night long, you could sense it in the stadium uh, that all they needed to do was get within field goal range and they were going to be able to do that easily uh, just by the way the offense was moving uh, along. But, you know, the the defense did all they could um, during that game. They just they just were struggling against that no huddle offense, which was you know very hard to defend against uh, at certain times. Uh, but offensively, the Bulldogs, you know, they were they were doing uh, uh, just enough to kind of put them in position. They just seemed to stall late in the fourth quarter, which really um, really ended up coming back to bite them in the butt, uh, so to speak. Uh, right, Jackson? I mean, it just it seemed like the offense was doing enough. But then late in the fourth quarter where it really counted, they seemed to stall and weren't able to get that ball moving. Yeah, you know, the, like I was mentioning earlier, they they went three and out, but they put themselves in third and one. It was exactly what they were looking for. And then when the game was on the line, the, the chance to try to run some clock out and seal it, uh, they were stopped on both of those opportunities. Um, you know, also, though, I mean, 35 points, that should win you most games if you're Fresno State playing in the Mountain West. I think a lot of the downfall of this season has been the defensive struggles. I mean, this is the third week in a row now. The Bulldogs gave up at least 37 points. They gave up at least 500 yards. I mean, it, it's really poor defense overall. Um, they've come up in, in some stops in situational areas, like the fourth down stop. Uh, they've had some streaks against Hawaii the week prior that helped set up that win. But you know, overall, it's definitely not getting the job done. Uh, Fresno State ranks number 30 in the nation in scoring offense, around 34 points per game. There's only two teams ranked ahead of them in that statistic that have a losing record like Fresno State right now. And if you go in the top 50 of the, the top offenses in the nation when it comes to points, uh, there's only six teams with losing records. And so uh, I don't think you can pin a whole lot on the offense. They did have a chance to close things out, but it's a 60-minute game, and the defense did not play very well for most of those 60 minutes. And that's kind of been the story of the last three weeks. Um, the last two weeks, especially it's just kind of come down to who had the ball last. Fortunately for Fresno state on the islands, they had it last. Unfortunately, last Saturday it was Utah state who had it last. And I think if you put five more minutes on the clock for both of those games, it could very easily go the other way in both of those scenarios. But that's kind of the team Fresno state has right now. And uh, we'll see if they can start to turn the corner in any way. I think, fortunately, they have San Diego State coming up this weekend, which is a team that does not put up a lot of yards and does not put up a lot of points. And that may give the defense an opportunity to play a different type of game that's not just one of these crazy shootouts we've seen the past few weeks. Yeah, and hopefully uh, they'll get a chance to kind of settle in a little bit more uh, in this next upcoming game. Uh, but, you know, one thing that uh, kind of noticed is it seems like the Bulldogs are kind of sitting around waiting for someone to to kind of make a play, uh, so to speak. But one player who is not, uh, you know, who is pretty much taking a, a lot of it on his shoulders, and that's Jalen Cropper, who continues uh, to get stronger and stronger as the season goes on. And do you expect to see more of that as uh, Jalen Cropper continues to settle into this Bulldog offense? Yeah, Cropper had what is to me the most memorable catch he's made all season long, which was uh, you know an actual <laughs> actual downfield pass. You know, some of these jet sweeps, if the ball is handed off forward or, or just kind of dropped to, into Cropper's hands, which Rainer has done a few times, it counts as a reception. And so you see that in the stat sheet, but 
there was actually one downfield pass where Reyna delivered a bullet to Cropper. He turns around, makes a few guys miss, almost gets into the end zone. He's marked down uh, half a yard away from the the goal the goal line. But uh, that was really the first time that I can recall him making those kinds of plays in a traditional receiver sense. Uh, but the, those jet sweeps, they keep continuing to work. He had um, what, 104, I believe, um, all-purpose yards when it comes to both uh, receiving and rushing. So he was, again, utilized quite a bit. Uh, finally got his first touchdown in Bulldog Stadium, which was really nice to see. And uh, you know, oddly, he had been three times, I think, this season. It uh, looked like he had gotten in for a touchdown, and they reversed it on the replays to being marked down just shy. So it was really nice to see him finally step in there in the end zone in Bulldog stadium and get that feeling for real. Uh, but yeah, he just continues to be a, a weapon and they seem to be going to him more and more. We've seen a lot less of Darion Grimm and Carrick Wheatfall in the coming week in the previous weeks. And some of that has to do with uh, some injuries and ailments and things, but they've definitely, that's kind of the, the game breaker role in the offense. And it seems to be, cropper just about all the time lately compared to what we saw at the beginning of the year which was a a steady mix of those three guys now you had mentioned something about injuries and of course uh another big hit to the fresno state offensive line and so how do you see this one shaking out because right now it looks like they're going to be calling in the fifth stringers and that means that (laughs) you and i jackson we're going to need to suit up soon uh and get in on the offensive (laughs) line so I, i don't know what is there anybody left any bodies left to even get in on the uh, offensive line this season. Yeah, it's been a, a tough hit to that group. Um, you know, it was mostly just losing Muti for the most of the season. He was been out since uh, the second game of the season, but uh, or the third game, excuse me. But um, yeah, without Muti, they were still chugging along pretty well. They actually looked better than they had all season the past couple of weeks, in my opinion. But at Hawaii, uh, Matt Smith goes down with an injury that's going to keep him out for the season. Uh, losing your your center there, then all of a sudden it came as much a bit of a surprise that Cyrus Tuatelli, the steady right tackle for the Bulldogs for last season and all this season, uh, he was unable to dress out and play, give it a go. He's dealing with an injury as well. Um, so the Bulldogs there now they're down three starters going into last weekend's game, and then Q Woodley goes down late uh, in the game, and now that you've got four reserves in there. Uh, the Bulldogs have had Dante Bull injured the past couple of weeks, but he was able to come back, fortunately, which gave them enough uh, to keep chugging along against Utah State. But uh, it looks like Woodley's going to be okay. They, they tried to give it another go against Utah State. Uh, it looks like he's working his way back into playing this week. Uh, so that'll at least keep the offensive line pretty consistent to what they had for most of last weekend's game. But you do worry about the further depth even more so if – Another guy goes down. Uh, the Bulldogs are are a little bit thin at tackle right now without Tutelli, and uh, they do have another pretty reliable interior guy with uh, Bula Schmidt, who's made a couple starts this season. Uh, Nick Abs came in late, uh, so I think interior is okay health wise in terms of the options they have. But uh, having both uh, Dante Bull and Alex Akambulu out there. Uh, they're pretty thin. After that, they do have Nick Abudefi, who's made a couple starts as well. So they've really prepared their offensive line, even to this point, uh, to have some depth. It's just, uh, it's obviously going to be a, a hit to the overall talent when you lose guys like Muti and Tutelli. 
Well, either way, I've started to try and put on some of the weight just to get in on that offensive <laughs> line, and uh, I, I just don't know if I'll be ready by next, by this weekend. But uh, you know, it, the way things are going, it just doesn't seem like the Bulldogs are having much luck this season with the injury bug. It's really been uh, ripping through this offensive line, and uh, I, I, hopefully, the, the Bulldogs do not lose another offensive lineman because I, I think at this point they can't afford to lose another one um you know things are, are getting to uh really spread that uh depth chart pretty thin um so to speak on the offensive line but uh other than that jackson any other any other major um uh things you you saw coming from that last game against utah state uh, probably the biggest thing for me was seeing Kwame Jones back at defensive end. And um, ultimately, the defense continued to struggle, but he made some key individual plays. He had a sack, had another tackle in the backfield. And we're talking about a defensive end here who started basically all season last year and has not been available all of this season until uh, last weekend, uh, coming off a back injury that had basically kept him off the field through spring practice, through fall camp. I really hadn't been able to do much of anything until the last couple of weeks. He was barely starting to come back, and they felt good enough about him to put him in the game, and he played just as good as we all remember him seeing. And that was critical timing, too, because uh, Coach Tedford confirmed that Isaiah Johnson, who had started most of the season at defensive end, is going to be out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, he did not play against Utah State, and uh, it showed that Whatever the issue was, it had come to a halt before that game, and he was going to be out, but it was confirmed afterwards that he'll be out for the year. So having Jones back, I think it's both a boost for the team talent-wise and critical uh, with having Johnson out. It's kind of a a two-fold deal, and we'll see. Jones might be in a situation where he can redshirt, but if the Bulldogs go on a run here, then they're probably going to have to use him. Uh, every game the rest of the way and uh, i guess it's a good news either way <laughs> if he's out there and they kind of waste a little bit of the his last season then it'll at least be for a good reason and you know if the bulldogs don't quite finish as strong as they have the opportunity to then they'll have another weapon back next year it looks like yeah so things uh you know things are starting to kind of shake out a little bit especially heading into this um san diego state game um you know that the loss to Utah State really kind of uh, put a damper on things, so to speak, for the Bulldogs because now the, they're going to need a little bit of help uh, in order to uh, still get that ch- uh, shot at um, the championship game. Um, if I remember correctly, did did San Diego State end up losing this last game? I believe they did, didn't they? Yeah, so they did. Yeah, we were on the field there filming our incident analysis. And we were talking about how there was no way Nevada was going to beat San Diego State. It was going to be hard for Fresno State to get in. Uh, there was a chance Hawaii could beat San Diego State. But, you know, all of our, our discussion there became uh, dated within the next 90 minutes as uh, San Diego State was upset by Nevada at home 17-13. to 13. And just like that, Fresno State at 4-5 and five on the season, 2-3 and three in Mountain West play. Uh, they have control of their own destiny again. <laughs> uh, the, all they have to do is win out the next three games. If they beat San Diego State, uh, they beat Nevada, and then San Jose State, if they can do it in order, uh, they will be the winner of the West Division. And uh, it's as simple as that for, for the Bulldogs. And it's hard to believe uh, that after all the losses they've suffered, they're still in that position. But thanks to some help for, from the rest of the division, the Bulldogs are still right there. 
you almost get the sense that uh, Jeff Tedford kind of knew that was going to happen because uh, he said that at his press conference. They're still in control of their own destiny. And we had mentioned that, you know, no, they're not. <laughs> they're going to need a little bit of help. And lo and behold, Nevada steps in and takes that uh, takes that win away from uh, San Diego State, opening up this matchup this week, which now becomes more important than ever. Uh, if the Bulldogs can go in there and pull off the win, then now things things are a little different. Things are back in their control again, but they need to take care of business in the next three games. Is that something the Bulldogs uh, are, you know, at this point, can they they match up well with this San Diego State game? I mean, how do you see this one matching up as far as uh, the Bulldogs and the and San Diego State, who has, by the way, had a great season so far this season? Yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything that, I mean, Fresno State can accomplish in terms of individual games going forward. Uh, San Diego State is winnable even on the road. Nevada is a game they can certainly get. San Jose State on the road to close the season. Uh, the Spartans are just four and six. They are uh, record-wise the worst team left on the schedule, but they are very dangerous on offense. I think the Bulldogs can win any of those games. Obviously, none of those are out of reach, but winning all three is going to be a pretty significant challenge. The Bulldogs haven't won any more than two in a row all season, and they've only done that once. They've been wildly inconsistent. But if they can get this win at San Diego State, uh, they may be able to get the wheels rolling and, and try to make that happen. Uh, but I do expect this weekend's game to be, uh, you know, it is a Friday night game, but it should be pretty different than what the Bulldogs have been playing uh, the past few weeks. San Diego State is a team that does not put up a lot of offense. Uh, their defense is very strong. Uh, while Fresno State on the other side of things has been playing the shootouts the last couple of weeks, um, you know, San Diego State's highest scoring game of the season has been what, 26-22, a win against Wyoming. That would be one of Fresno State's lowest scoring games of the season at this point. Uh, so something's going to have to give. Uh, I think it's going to lean more towards San Diego State's kind of tempo, but I don't think that necessarily means a successful outing for San Diego State either. Uh, I think it's going to be a similar down-to-the-wire, who's-got-the-ball-last kind of thing, but I definitely don't expect to see as many points by either side that – uh, the Bulldogs have been scoring and giving up. I think this will be played probably in the 20s, uh, which is going to give a really different flow to the game than the Bulldogs have been used to in, in Mountain West play to this point. You mean we actually might get one that kind of slows down a little bit? The last couple <laughs> of weeks have been a little bit back and forth, uh, you know, against Hawaii, against Utah State. This might be, I don't know, might work in the favor of the Bulldogs to actually have a tempo that slows down a little bit uh, versus uh, what they saw last week of the no huddle offense. Um, they might be able to give the defense a chance, a little bit of a chance to breathe uh, and at least give the offense a chance to kind of settle down themselves because when, when these games are moving at fast pace, neither side of the ball gets a chance to really rest, right, Jackson? It's just it's tough for either either side to, to kind of you know get into a rhythm, so to speak. Yeah, and what San Diego State is going to try to do is create the opposite effect where they want to hang on to the ball and run that clock and keep possession and take you out of sync in the other way where the offense isn't on the field as much, uh, getting as many times with the ball to, to get into sync and the, to having the defense out there as much as possible to get you tired and wear you out for the end of the game. Uh, you know, San Diego State hasn't given up any more than 23 points all season, and you're talking about some teams with some dangerous offenses, Utah State, UCLA, Colorado State, Wyoming, San Jose State, all those teams are capable of putting up a lot of points, and San Diego State has put them all to a halt. 
I have to imagine they're going to do something pretty similar to Fresno State. Uh, I can't see them scoring much more than 30, given that trend. But uh, at the same time, San Diego State doesn't score a whole lot either. And uh, they've got a really strong defense and a really weak offense. And they've tried to change things up. They've tried to add some spread concepts, uh, attack in a different way than they have in the past with just that straight pro-style smash-mouth offense. But it's been statistically very similar to what they've been in the past. I think they've actually been a little less effective in the running game than normal. Um, so this is as good as it's going to get for Fresno State's defense to try to have a, a solid performance from start to finish, you know, have a, a much lo- lower point total than they've been given up as of late. But offensively for the Bulldogs, an offense that's really been rolling, putting up a lot of points every week, uh, this is going to be their biggest challenge they've had in a while. And uh, I think it's going to be kind of a stalemate, but someone's going to have to come out with the win, and that's going to come down to who makes those critical plays in the fourth quarter. You know, games like Hawaii where Fresno State made those plays and games like Utah State and several others, Minnesota, uh, USC, those kinds of games where the Bulldogs did not make those plays. It's just going to be, a, I think, another one of those nights, and we'll see if Fresno State uh, can string together the clutch moments that they have not had in most of those opportunities this season. Now, offensively, how do you see the Bulldogs matching up against this uh, this San Diego State defense, uh, who, like by by all means, you're saying is a very stout defense who who knows how to play and who's basically shut down most of their opponents this season. Uh, but you know, they did give up some key plays against uh, uh, against Nevada last week that ended up <laughs> giving them the loss. But how do you see them matching up uh, against this San Diego State uh, defense? Yeah, they're going to give some Fresno State some challenges. Obviously, um, you know this is a, a defense that's kind of been up and down. We've seen even with Derek Carr when he was here, uh, they hung up a good 50 points on San Diego State the first time in Mountain West play between those two teams, and the first time uh, in 2013 uh, when the Bulldogs were really rolling, uh, Carr and, and the offense really had a tough time figuring things out. San Diego State was giving these exotic looks they're standing up almost all their defense and just trying to totally disguise what they're doing and they can bring some of those elements that we've seen them carry over in the past years even though fresno state has won the last two matchups against san diego state again just 27 points and uh, 23 points in those last two meetings for fresno state so it hasn't been a barrage of scoring by any means um they've done a lot of it with the run um the Josh Hokett had the big game against San Diego State two seasons ago, the last time they met in San Diego with the three touchdowns. Um, last season, uh, again, it was a, another one of those struggles, but I think it's going to be something pretty similar, and it comes down to Jorge Reina kind of adjusting on the fly because this is going to be his one and only time taking on that San Diego State defense, and it can be a tough one to figure out, and it, I think you'll kind of get it going as the game goes along, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs start slow. I think they've got to get it going with the running game to try to maintain go blow for blow with San Diego State's offense as well. It's going to be trying to do the same thing on their side, and it's just it's not going to be as easy for the Bulldogs as it has been the last few weeks, and it's going to come down to if they can run the ball and if they can kind of overcome that adversity because they're probably going to be forced off the field several more times than they're used to. And they're going to have to buckle down and, and not get too down on themselves if that happens, because it seems like they've been scoring just about as well the last three weeks. Yeah. So the Bulldogs right now are, are it seems like their offense is starting to kind of get into a little bit of a sink and, and really start to get things 
moving, especially with the emergence now of uh, Jalen Cropper on offense, uh, more than just the 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 sweep. Um, now he's getting involved in the passing game, which will start to open up things because you start to see some teams uh, be afraid of Cropper and start double teaming him. Don't you think, Jackson? In in, in retrospect, that's going to open up. Uh, another play for someone else on the field. Uh, don't you think that might start to happen where they'll start to double team uh, um, Cropper a little bit more on offense? I think that's even what happened on the Bulldogs third and one that was stopped, unfortunately, but uh, they put Cropper out in motion and about three or four Utah state defenders all tried to hedge over to that side of the field and get ready for that sweep. And they got caught in a bad situation, but unfortunately Fresno state wasn't able to take advantage. So, there's going to be a lot more opportunities like that. We've seen in the past, you know, Cropper on the sweep, they give it to him and he throws it because the defense isn't expecting that to happen. We've seen double reverses, uh, Cam Sutton even running the ball against USC. They've got a lot of wrinkles with that package, and I think it's going to continue to keep defenses on their toes. And in a game where I think there's going to be less offensive big plays in this one that's going to dictate who wins it, there could be one or two of those that really does make the difference. Yeah, so getting him involved, it's only going to open up more opportunities, whether it be with Cropper or with whether it be someone else on the field. Um, I, I believe that's going to start to open up things a little bit more offensively. Uh, but, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, uh, you, you mentioned San Diego State's offense, not the greatest at, at you know, putting up points, but they like to grind the ball um, against this Fresno State defense who, uh, as of late, has had a hard time even just keeping up with all of the no-huddle offenses they've been facing. Um, how do you see them kind of matching up against this this uh, San Diego State offense who who likes to just hold on to the ball a little bit longer? Yeah, you know, just looking at what they did last week, you're looking at 39 carries for 113 yards, pretty inefficient, just trying to grind it out. They did end up throwing the ball 35 times. Only completed 18 for 196 yards, one interception. Uh, I mean, this is kind of where this offense is at. They really want to establish the run, grind things out. Uh, If you can force them to pass, then you're probably in a good situation. If they're just passing to be balanced, then they'll keep you on your toes. Uh, With this Fresno State defense, they haven't been very effective at stopping just about anyone this season, and that concerns me a little bit. But if you can get a lead on San Diego State and make them play from behind, it can help. Um, they do have one receiver that kind of worries me. The Bulldogs have had trouble uh, the past several weeks now locking in on that key receiver. Uh, Mariner for Utah State had a big game. Uh, Colorado State six foot six receiver Warren Jackson went off on the Bulldogs, and uh, Kobe Smith for San Diego State is kind of their guy that could possibly do that. A six foot two, hundred ninety pound sophomore. Um, he is their. Uh, overwhelmingly leading receiver and he only has 554 yards and four touchdowns it's not tremendous numbers but he can go off for 100 yards and the way Fresno State has been playing kind of soft in coverage I could definitely see them getting into a little bit of a rhythm throwing the short balls to him and just keeping the chains moving Uh, that's probably going to be a key part of San Diego State's offense uh, to complement that running game but if the Bulldogs can just buckle up and play within the, the box and stop the run Uh, It's going to make it tough on the Aztecs, and uh, Fresno State's kind of pointing to that Minnesota game, which is looking, even though it's a loss, more and more impressive as the Gophers climb all the way into the top 10 with the undefeated record right now. Uh, Minnesota really doesn't run the ball very effective against Fresno State, 
but unlike San Diego State, they have uh, some four-star wide receivers that were able to bail them out out of a, a lot of situations in that game. Uh, other than Smith, the Aztecs don't have a whole lot of that. So, you know, really, if Fresno State can prevent San Diego State from getting the running game going, uh, it shouldn't be too difficult of a task. But, you know, the Bulldogs have been pretty soft defensively, and San Diego State will be more than happy to take three or four yards at a time, uh, just enough to move the chains. And uh, Fresno State's going to have to give the extra effort from the line of scrimmage to the linebacker play. Uh, they really do need to make some tackles in the backfield, the kind of things that they did not get against Air Force, but granted it being a much more exotic and complex offense that Air Force brought. But, you know, as we think about it, though, this is a matchup of Fresno State against San Diego State, two teams that really do do not like each other. Uh, let's let's just get that <laughs> get that out in the open. Uh, these two teams do not like each other. It's a rivalry game. Um do you really look at what has happened during the season or can you just pretty much throw out their records and how the games have been played up until this point when these two meet up? You know, I think it's kind of, in this season at least, just the the unpredictability of, of both of the teams. Now, San Diego State has a 7-2 and two record. They've been a lot more consistent, but they've shown they're capable of losing just about any time when they lose to Nevada at home. They lost to Utah State at home. Uh, Wyoming was a close game. Even at UNLV, that was one they just won by three points. Uh, you know They're not guaranteed, even though they seem to control it. And even if they don't win by a lot of points, they do control games. But it's no guarantee when they step out on the field. Meanwhile, Fresno State is a team that seems like you know, they can win just about any game or lose just about any game. And they're going to score a lot of points but give a lot of points up. And it's two very contrasting styles, and that makes this rivalry a little even more interesting. Uh, but looking back, when the Bulldogs, the last time they went there, it kind of changed. It was a little bit of a turning point in this rivalry where uh, San Diego State was feeling really good going into that game. Uh, they were sitting at 6-1. Uh, and one. I believe they were close to being ranked if they weren't already, and the Bulldogs just took it to them, 27-3, to three, and that's really been the turning point of Fresno state being the class of the West, the last two seasons and San Diego state having to, to settle for second in that season and fourth last year, even, but uh, the Aztecs continue to kind of chug along as the same team that they're, they're usually filled out there. And um, you know, for Fresno state, it's worked in their favor the last two seasons, but we'll see if uh, the defense has enough to make it happen again this year. Yeah, but can we see a, like a repeat of what happened two years ago, where we went into uh, uh, you know San Diego? I mean, you and I were both there, and we're we're there thinking, you know, this is going to be a tough one for the Bulldogs to win. We didn't expect them to win, and yet they kind of blew out San Diego. Um, could it could it very well happen the exact same way again this season? You know, I'm not sure if this Bulldog team has the same capability, unfortunately, as the last two that have uh, taken care of business against San Diego State. But I certainly think they can win, no doubt about that. I think it's going to be close uh, at the end of the day. Um, you know, I just don't think this defense has been strong enough to put that kind of confidence in them. And um, the offense has been good, but not quite good enough to close out some of these games. But um, you know, right now the betting line has this one as a pick'em, even as with San Diego State being at home. You know, I think the Bulldogs. This is one that you know, we unfortunately said this a few times this season, but if they can get this one, much like the last time these two teams played in San Diego in 2017, it could help rally things towards the rest of the season. 
if the Bulldogs can beat San Diego State, again, they know they're just two wins away from winning the Mountain West Championship, and that's where we'd be one where if the Bulldogs can get a emphatic win, really close it down and and send the message in this game that they could feed their way to the rest of the, the season and potentially do something like they did in 2014 where they were 3-6 and six and ended up being in the Mountain West Championship game. That's a very similar scenario for this year's team. Yeah, that would uh, mean another road trip if they're able to kind of put these <laughs> things together for us, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, well, they control their own destiny to win the West. There's basically no chance at all of hosting if they manage to pull that off. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, you know, that that being said, with all everything that's been going on, uh, you've got a chance to kind of look at what the Mountain West is going on. What do you see as some of the the scenarios that can that can kind of play out uh, in the next few weeks here of of, of what to expect or, or what to look out for of who who can do what is so to speak in the next two to three weeks? Yeah, um, well, with Fresno State at least in their situation, they've basically got to win out, and it's not going to be easy. San Diego State, of course, has been tough. Uh, Nevada has been very up and down. Uh, from beating San Diego State last weekend, uh, losing to Hawaii by 50. It's been one of those seasons for Nevada. Um, That's going to be probably a toss-up next week in Bulldog Stadium, regardless of what happens this week. And even San Jose State, uh, that's kind of a a recipe for something similar to what the Bulldogs have had these last couple games, where the Spartans have a a very strong passing game and offense that's going to be tough to stop. But they've got a weak defense as well. Would not be surprised to see another game in the 30s or 40s like we've seen the Bulldogs play the last couple of weeks that comes down to the last possession there. Uh, even last week, San Jose State went to Hawaii. Neither of the two teams punted. It was a 42-40 Hawaii win. Every possession ended in a score or turnover. So, you know, that's there's a lot of teams like that in the Mountain West this season. And Fresno State is just basically average as one of those teams. And uh, so it's going to make things interesting the last couple of weeks because – Outside of UNLV and New Mexico, basically at the bottom of both divisions, uh, I think just about every team can knock off just about everyone else. Uh, in the mountainside, I'd, I'm really not very impressed the way Boise State is winning their games the last few weeks. They are still 8-1, and one, uh, undefeated in conference play, but I think Utah State, when they play the Broncos, that's a team that could potentially knock them off. I think Wyoming would have if they had Sean Chambers healthy for that game. And right now, I think Air Force is basically the the class of the conference. But unfortunately for them, they got a a bad timing against Boise State early in the season. They're going to need some help if they're going to come out of the Mountain Division. So, uh, I mean, both sides, I think, in my mind, very much up for grabs. Uh, But the Mountain side has been a little more uh, competitive in terms of top-end teams. You've got three teams with either one or zero losses. And then the Mountain Division, everyone's got uh, almost – Almost everyone's got three or more with San Diego State being at two losses and everyone else uh, trying to catch up from behind them. So it's been a very unusual season, and I think it's going to get even stranger the next couple weeks. Yeah, we're going to see probably some surprise wins, some surprise losses <laughs> and uh, make the, you know, if if things weren't already interesting, it's just going to make it even harder for us to kind of guess what's going to happen at the end of the season <laughs> as, as things start to develop. Uh, but, you know. That's the nature of the beast when it comes to to football. You know, it's like Herm, Ever, Herm Edwards always say, you know, you play to win the game. And we're going to see what happens here 
uh, in these last final weeks as everyone tries to jockey for position uh, as to either a bowl game or a chance at the the Mountain West uh, Conference Championship. And so there's going to be a lot of things on the line. You're going to probably see a lot of uh, a lot of chances being taken during these last few games just to see if they can uh, ultimately pull off a win uh, against a team that they you know pretty much thought that they would ha- have a hard time beating so uh, these these last few games they should be interesting for us so to speak um but that being said that, that there Jackson you know during the last game we had uh, a visitor who came in to to watch the football game but ended up uh, was here for another reason, and that was for the basketball game, right, Jackson? And well, you know, tell us a little bit more about about the royalty that eventually came <laughs> back to Fresno State here. Yeah, Paul George. Uh, they honored him at the football game on Saturday, and they had him Sunday in the Save Mart Center to retire his jersey. That was a pretty neat deal. We got to spend some time with him with the media. They had a press conference beforehand, and I got to interview him a little bit. Uh, to have him tell us about his story a little bit more. Uh, I started working covering the Bulldogs right the season after he left, uh, so I hadn't gotten a chance to have that kind of uh, interaction with him. So that was nice to to see. I had watched all his games from uh, the stands as a uh, a minor, I guess, as it was season tickets, <laughs> and uh, so it was a uh, definitely a fun one to watch for the Bulldogs, and it was really cool to see him back. A few. Former Bulldogs that made the trip as well. Uh, Michael Ladd, I saw out there. Uh, that's someone that's kept up with Paul. Uh, you know, the Los Angeles Clippers, a lot of the players from their team came out. The owner, Steve Ballmer, uh, the coach, Doc Rivers. I mean, it was a, a pretty cool deal. And then for the Bulldogs to win that game with the buzzer beater was uh, just the cherry on top for all that. Um, but definitely a pretty cool experience for Paul George to come back. And, um, have that experience bring out the crowd to the save march center and have his number and name up in the rafters for here on out and uh, it was pretty interesting to see the former head coach steve cleveland as well um really tried to put it in perspective that you know when paul was here and when coach cleveland was here it was really they're really trying to to turn the perception of fresno state basketball around uh, coming off of uh, the highs and lows everything that went with the tark era and then um, having Ray Lopes afterwards and further sanctions on the program. And it was just in a, a pretty bad spot. And they felt like what Paul George did at Fresno State and then more so what he did in the NBA to um, really make a name for himself and say, hey, I went to Fresno State and I'm doing all this, uh, kind of changed the perception of Fresno State basketball and the recruiting aspect and has helped the Bulldogs put together some pretty solid teams uh, the past few years with their recruiting efforts. You know all those coaches are, are saying Paul George's names uh, when they're in these recruiting processes and talking to these guys, and now they won't even have to say it. They'll be able to point up in the arena and, and show that banner of Paul George's jersey. So, um, you know, Paul, not necessarily the most decorated Bulldog by any stretch, only playing for two seasons at Fresno State, but uh, his impact is going to continue to last in the Save Mart Center for some time. Yeah, and to have a, a buzzard, a buzzard beater there, and to win the game for Fresno State uh, while having you know these guests here to to watch it, it couldn't have been a, a better um, you know ending to a story, right, Jackson? It just ended up it, it left a good perception of Fresno State basketball uh, having those professional athletes here watching. Yeah, and I think it was a little bit of a dangerous situation for Fresno State because. 
this is a, a pretty young team. Um, they're not very experienced, and uh, Winthrop, while not being a big-name school, is pretty solid. Uh, they've been to the tournament more times than Fresno State has, and uh, they actually went over and beat a uh, top 25 St. Mary's team the very next night after that game. So you know they've got uh, a better team than people would realize. But uh, there's kind of been a perception of Fresno State, even through a lot of the Rodney Terry era's, uh, era, where Fresno State has these marquee games against marquee opponents or you know the certain uh, promotions where this, the Savant Center fills up and the Bulldogs seem to a lot of times let down <laughs> the crowd and lose those key games or leave a disappointing kind of sour taste from those experiences. And it felt like this was on the path to being one of those games. The Bulldogs trailed for 25 minutes. You know, they were behind. It didn't look good for most of the game, but man, were the last few minutes exciting and especially enjoyable for the red wave to see the Bulldogs make several key plays. And then especially the three pointer by Mustafa Lawrence that put the Bulldogs over the top players rush the court they're celebrating they're cheering with paul george it was just uh i mean you couldn't have written that for it to play out like that yeah it it, it it's definitely a store storybook ending uh to when you have uh those type of uh guests come over to bulldog uh you know to the save mart center it, it really ended up being a, a good thing for the bulldogs uh, so to speak on that night um but that being said before we wrap things up jackson any final thoughts on on anything we talked about today yeah, well, as good as uh, that went for the basketball team was at home uh, they suffered a heartbreaker uh, this week against san diego the toreros uh, so that was a, a tough one the bulldogs went into overtime it really didn't play a very good game but they were able to force overtime there at the end and uh, just did not get it done in overtime. San Diego ran away with it. So, um, you know, there was another big performance by Jared Hyder. He's a true freshman, put up 26 points against Winthrop at home, 23 against San Diego on the road, played 38 minutes for the Bulldogs. I mean, looking at what could be a, a star in the making for Fresno State if he's not already at this point. I mean, you don't see those numbers from freshmen at Fresno State very often. A lot of the rest of the team still trying to fill itself out, find each other. Uh, Nate Grimes with uh, back-to-back double-doubles. Uh, Orlando Robinson, a true freshman, also in the starting lineup with the double-double. Um, you know, they, I think they've got some pieces, but it's still a very young team, and they're trying to find their way. But hopefully this week will kind of mirror last week, where the football team disappointed at home, but the basketball team uh, gave something for the Red Wave to feel good about. Maybe this week the basketball team will fall short in San Diego, but the football team will close out the week with uh, something for Fresno State to feel good about. All right, so that, yeah, it sounds like things are on the right track. You're gonna have a, a you're gonna have fun this season with basketball, aren't you, Jackson? That's just <laughs> your favorite thing to do usually. Um, but Jackson and I will be uh, will be getting on the plane here uh, tomorrow, heading out to the um, Fresno State versus San Diego State game. So we'll be in attendance there to cover that game, um, and uh, so. Look! Look for us. You know, if you see us, say hi to us, uh, <laughs> right, Jackson? Hey, we, we, you know, we love our fans. You're constantly getting stopped by them all the time, and uh, I feel like a third wheel sometimes, Jackson. <laughs> That's awesome to, to be recognized and uh, talk some Fresno State football and Barkboard with a lot of our members and. 
uh, I really appreciate putting faces to the usernames. That's always really cool to, to get to know people that you feel like you know in a different capacity online. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be, unfortunately with the Friday game, it's going to be tough for some Bulldog fans to travel, but uh, hopefully there'll be some out there and a lot of people watching on TV too. And um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty interesting week. They've got a national signing day for basketball this week. Bulldogs got three commits in there. That should be uh, something to watch for. Um, football recruiting as well continues to, to chug along. We've got a story on Hanford High's Tyler Mello up on the boards that um, you know he's a guy that's really blown up the last month, and Fresno State's trying to keep him here in the Valley. And uh, a lot of other recruiting notes to watch. Uh, Jalen Green, the five-star guard, uh, he was in for Fresno State on a visit this past weekend. We're trying to get some more scoop on that. And so, uh, I mean, just a lot going on around Fresno State football and basketball right now. Yeah, so if you would like to find Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Um, and uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to the Facebook page, give it a like, and as always, check us out on our boards uh, at thebarkboard.com. So until uh, until we meet again next time, uh, enjoy the podcast, enjoy your weekend, and uh, you know join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing uh, coverage of Fresno State Athletics.